Well, Melbourne Cup Day today, the race that stops the nation. But will the RBA stop inflation? Well, certainly the retail numbers yesterday show that people are still out shopping. And of course, the CPI numbers last week were a shocker. So does that mean more work for the RBA? And could we actually see a higher than 25 basis point move? Well, starting slowly, it hasn't worked for the ECB, has it? With inflation reaching a record high there. And we get the Fed later this week. They'll be watching job openings today in the US. They might actually go lower than 75 basis points. We'll discuss why this Tuesday, the 1st of November 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is back on the rise this morning. It's up 0.8% on the DXY with a 1.3% fall in the pound. The Aussie down 0.3%, a little over 63.9 US cents now. The euro down 0.9%. The Japanese yen down again, losing 0.7%. And bond yields are generally up at eight basis points for US 10-year treasuries. Two years are up 16 basis points. Yields up to 4.5% now. Two years are also up seven basis points in the UK. Uh, but 10-year gilt yields up just three basis points this morning so it's all happening at the front end up 13 basis points though for 10 years in Italy and 14 in Greece a little more contained elsewhere in Europe but at least a few points up for 10 years right across the continent and Aussie 10 year yields were down 9 basis points yesterday down to 3.75% but up 10 basis points on futures since then so all yields are going up it seems and US stocks have got the message as well at close they are down down 1% for the Nasdaq 0.7% down for the S&P 500 and 0.4% down for the Dow. Energy stocks still managing to stay in the green, though, uh, but shares are up in Europe a little bit. The FTSE 100 is up 0.7%, just a slight gain in the DAX and the Eurostox 50. And oil, pretty big falls, a 1.9% fall in WTI. Brent down 1% and falling below $95 a barrel. So it's, uh, well, two big things today. Obviously, the race that stops the nation and the bank that stops everyone for, well, a little while anyway. The RBA is happening today. Uh, Do we actually know what they're going to do? Well, we know they're presumably going to raise rates, but by how much? Tapa Strickland joins me from NAB in Sydney. Uh, So, I mean, this decision from the the RBA is being made in the light of those, uh, well, I mean, first of all, you know, the the shocking CPI numbers that we saw last week, but also the retail numbers for Australia that we saw yesterday, 0.6% growth month on month, same as August. Uh, which was what was expected. I mean, was that a good result or a bad result? I mean, it shows, you know, the economy isn't slowing yet, which is perhaps, a, you know, not what the RBA wants to see. Uh, good morning, Phil. Uh, yes, the RBA does meet today. I think it's going to be a very close decision between whether it's a 25 or 50 basis point increase. The market is only ascribing mm. around a 20% chance uh, that it could be a 50 basis point increase, but you'd have to say the risks are probably a little bit higher than that. And as you noted, the uh, retail sales figures that we got yesterday were fairly solid, um, as well as that business credit growth was um, its strongest uh, since March 2008. So no signs really of slowing momentum um, within the economy, or at least as far as uh, September, October was concerned. And then as you noted, uh, those Q3 CPI figures that we got last week were very strong, and uh, it showed that trim mean inflation was expected to peak uh, well above the RBA's previous uh, SOMP forecasts, uh, with inflation likely to peak around 75, uh, sorry, 0.75 basis, so 0.75 percentage points higher than the RBA's forecast peak of 7.8% for headline and 6.2% for trim mean. And more importantly, the RBA had been running with two very big assertions. And the first one was that Australia is different to the US in terms of the inflation challenge. 
But when you look at the six-month annualized trim mean, it's running at 6.9% in Australia compared to the US Dallas Fed PCE trim mean measure of 4.8% and the Cleveland Fed uh, CPI trim mean measure of 7.5%. So either way you, you cut it, Australian inflation in terms of core uh, sense is running at similar rates to the US. And then the second one is that uh, the RBA had been also running a line that uh, inflation pressures hadn't really been spilling over to the services sector, uh, not really spilling over into wages. But what we did see in those CPI figures is that market services, excluding volatiles, rose 1.8% Q&Q and 4.8% year on year. And that's its highest annual rate since 2008. So to me, services inflation is clearly lifting um, and probably becoming uh, inconsistent with the RBA's 2 to 3% target. In that event, the RBA probably needs to raise rates relatively rapidly. If it wasn't for the framing of stepping down to 25 basis points in October, I think the market would be pricing a lot more for 50 basis points. So I think it's going to be a very close decision today. And if it does, I mean, that would be quite a surprise if it does. So what what, what impact would, would that have? Because I'm looking at the Aussie dollar. It's not doing too badly at the moment. We had uh, PMI, uh, PMI numbers from China, which were very disappointing. You would have thought perhaps would have hit the Aussie bit today. If they do go by 50 basis points today, then I think that's a clear sign that the RBA thinks itself is still behind the curve. Um, and so you probably see markets pricing in a fairly good chance of another 50 basis point increase in December and perhaps also lifting up that terminal pricing as well. I think markets pricing a terminal rate of around 4, 4%. Yeah, which um, is a long way behind the Fed, isn't it? I mean, because their price, what, around 4.95%. Given uh, that uh, you'd expect Australian market pricing to lift a little bit further as well if the RBA did move by 50 basis points today. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about what's happening in the US with this with this fall in equities, because I'm curious as to the, the reason behind that. It was, of course, an exceedingly good month the last month for, for equities in the US and actually not too bad in Europe as well. But China, PMI numbers for yesterday, manufacturing from 50.1 to 49.2, much worse than expected, even worse, non-manufacturing from 50.6 down to 48.7. So no surprise that we saw the CSI 300 down 0.9% yesterday and the Hang Seng losing 1.2%. How much of this is spilling over to the rest of the world? Because obviously, you know, if there's production slowing quite so much in in China, then, you know, that's going to create supply chain problems they're going to perpetuate. And presumably that means inflation isn't going to pick up uh, or slow down, I should say, in a hurry, is it? The Chinese story is very mixed there. And overwhelmingly, the major story there was on the non-manufacturing side, where it came in at 48.7 from 50.6, as you noted, Um, and really driven by the zero COVID policy that they've been running. Every time you get a COVID outbreak, you go into lockdown. No one can make any decisions in that environment. And for as long as that policy exists, it's very unlikely any measures to stimulate the economy uh, are likely to gain any work. traction yeah. whatsoever. Um, so, and, how do, well, so how does that flow through to the rest of the world? How is it impacting all of us? So what you are seeing is in, effectively for Australia as well is lower commodity prices coming through. And you've seen that definitely with the iron ore price. You've also seen softness mm. in a whole heap of base commodities as well. And uh, at the moment, markets are trading with the assumption, um, or at least many firms are, that China starts to pivot towards living with COVID by March next year. So after the Chinese winter is out of the way. Um, if that occurs, then you'd likely see a bit of recovery. Um, but if for whatever reason, um, that date is further pushed out, you're likely to see further weakness, particularly in terms of commodities there. Uh, In terms of supply chain disruptions, it does have the potential to disrupt supply chains. And we did get one story yesterday about a COVID outbreak uh, in a Foxconn um, factory that supplies Apple iPhone components. 
And so that could interrupt uh, production. But against that, um, you've also got um, slowing demand, particularly on the good side. And so what you've actually seen in terms of freight rates is that those returning to pre pandemic levels. So yes, there'll be some supply chain issues, but probably not to the same extent as we did see during the height of the pandemic there. Also, in terms of global trade flows, it probably just reinforces the notion that many firms are starting to diversify their manufacturing facilities away from China. Yeah, which is not necessarily a bad thing, is it? So the uh, the fall that we saw in equities in the United States, which has not been echoed to the same degree in Europe, how much of that is uh, share investors basically catching up with bond investors and realizing that inflation is still around and, uh, and, and maybe the Fed is going to go harder? Or how much of it is geopolitics with the whole Russia-Ukraine thing getting worse? Uh, is China part and parcel of it as well? And, and how much of it is just positioning for the Fed? Uh, and how much of it is month end? Uh, there we are. Multiple choice question for you. I'm making it easy for you, Tapas. Multiple choice from now on. Well, I think I'd go with choice D and select all of the above. Um, it does <laughs> seem that... Um, th- and what does tend to happen, or at least uh, prior to the pandemic, at least, is prior to those big risk events, so uh, the US Fed or non-fund payrolls, which come out on Friday, you didn't get too much action in terms of risk markets. So when you actually look at the S&P 500, it's down by, what, say, 0.5%, um, and it mm. rose by 2.4% on Friday. So not a huge um, rundown in terms of the S&P 500 before. No, and in fact, look, at, look over the month. Look over the month, the S&P was up over 8%. The, uh, the Dow is up over 14%. So uh, the Nasdaq up 4%. So, I mean, a massive month, wasn't isn't it? Exactly. And a lot of those gains were initially driven by, or at least in terms of thematic sense, by that notion that the Fed could downshift the pace of hikes from 75 basis points. And it's expected they'll hike by 75 basis points on Wednesday. Um, and then uh, downshift to 50 basis point in December. And that was really kicked off with uh, the Wall Street Journal whisperer, Nick Timoros. Um, last week, now on Sunday, uh, that same author did pen another piece Um indicating that the Fed could lift its terminal rate higher um, in order to push back on any dovish interpretation um, that could come about from the Fed downshifting in terms of the pace of hikes there. And in his article, he was quoting a number of economists uh, stating that the peak in the Fed funds rate could be closer to five to five and a quarter percent. So that's one thing to watch out for in um, Wednesday's meeting is, uh, yes, uh, the Fed could be open to downshifting the pace of hikes um, as you come into December. I think that's about right. When you look at the beige book, that was out most recently. He noted six of 12 Fed districts that had experiencing flat or contracting activity levels. Uh, but with inflation so high, I don't think the Fed can really s- step off the gas by all, right. all that much. And so, what you're saying, so what you're saying is it could be 50, 50 basis points, but the market shouldn't interpret that as the fact that the, that the, uh, the, the end rate is, is, is going to be lower. They're just going to take it slower. Exactly. And so how equity markets and how other risk assets uh, react to that is a little bit uncertain. Um, I think some of them will take that signal as um, less likelihood that the Fed will break something. And so you could still get a rally in terms of risk assets out of that. Um, But um, the alternative is if that terminal Fed pricing lifts up and lifts up quite aggressively, um, then you may see some correction in terms of risk assets as well. Right. Now, what about Europe? That was a shock, wasn't it? The uh, the inflation numbers we got from yesterday, the headline number 10.7%. It was, I mean, we sort of knew it was coming because Germany was such a shocker, wasn't it? Uh, uh, the, the previous day, but the headline number 10.7%, it was 9.9% in September. The expe- expectation was 10.2%. So this was a big upside surprise. I think this is the highest it's been actually since the start of the Eurozone, wasn't it? And the core inflation uh, also higher at 5%. So Europe really does have problems, uh, like the UK. Oh, uh, definitely. And really, uh, 
inflation is just way too high in Europe, and that's going to keep the ECB still relatively aggressive. And when you look at uh, ECB pricing for December, I think they're 50% priced for another 75 basis point hike. So um, just those core inflation figures and the headline inflation figures just illustrate the inflation problems that are going on in Europe. Um, on the growth front, um, some heart was taken by European growth, which was slightly stronger than expected, coming in at 0.2% Q on Q. Um, it gets a consensus of 0.1%, but uh, still really marginal. And uh, I think the base case still is that Europe goes into a recession uh, this year. Um, and then just in terms of what was the driver, um, the Eurostat who publishes these figures don't give too much details in the advance release, um, but the Italian uh, stat office noted that inventory accumulation seemed to be one of the drivers in terms of their growth rate. So perhaps it wasn't all that rosy uh, as far as the headline. And despite all of this, you know, everyone talking about a recession coming again, you know, resilience in retail sales. We got them for Germany. The, the, you know, they, uh, they fell in August. They're expecting to fall again, but in September, actually up 0.9%. Some of that would be price effect, presumably. I don't know how much of it is uh, a volume increase, but when you've got inflation rising quite so much, so maybe most of that is taken away in rising prices. Uh, yes, yes. So the resilience of the consumer is, is still there, but the what occurred in the UK recently, we did have some sizable falls in retail sales. That uh, does suggest that consumers are starting to become a little bit more in- income constrained, just given uh, how high inflation is. Yeah, it was an interesting report actually from Springboard in the UK actually today, who measure footfall, uh, how many people are actually going into retail stores. And they say last week, uh, they were up 8.2%, but I looked more into it and it's 12.4% higher in London and it's high in historic towns, out-of-town shopping centres and places like that. It's not rising so much. So historic towns, visitors, wealthy people, central London, visitors. Uh, so you wonder you know, what you could really read from that. Uh, but what does the Bank of England do with all of this information this week, given where the, where the UK is heading? The debate um, going back a couple of weeks ago was all about the Bank of England hiking rates super aggressively debating yes. between 100 to 150 basis points. So they had um, a different Prime Minister back then. <laughs> definitely. It's, uh, and as they say, a week is a long time in politics. Yeah. And that was definitely the case in the UK. Um, so that pricing has, has come back. I think it's about 71 basis points are now priced uh, for the BOE meeting. So market's not fully convinced. It's going to be a 75 basis point hike. And um, Deputy Governor... Um, uh, I think it was Ramsden gave a speech recently uh, just saying um, that, or at least it seemed to push back on on market pricing for a super aggressive rate hike. And when you think about where the UK economy is now compared to where it was, say, a week before the mini budget, um, you'd have to say the economy is, is weaker and uh, the fiscal taps are likely to go into contractionary um, in terms of more of an austerity kind of budget under Rishi Sunak. So in that scenario, the the Bank of England probably doesn't need to raise rates as aggressively as that. So I wouldn't be surprised if at this meeting they discuss the merits of the 50 versus a 75 basis point hike. Right. Okay. When I was giving you the multiple choice questions on energy prices, very, just very quickly, one, one, one I didn't give you was, is it because uh, Joe Biden has sort of hinted that maybe they're going to impose a windfall tax on, on energy producers like they did in Europe, and they almost certainly will extend the windfall tax in, in the UK as well. Uh, the US has sort of stayed away from that. But yeah, that would be quite a move. Although, interestingly, energy stocks seem to have done quite well today. It's the rest of the stock market. So maybe it's not that. I know. It, those energy stocks did trim some of the gains, but as, as you noted, they're up by right. about, I think, 
1.3% in the overnight session. So um, didn't really have too much of an impact. Yeah. All right. Well, today, uh, US ISM numbers, uh, the jolts numbers, which, you know, we sort of used to be interesting in the past, but now given the Fed pays so much attention to them, we should be watching it closely, I think. Oh, definitely. And uh, the argument the Fed has been running, at least, is they can reduce the tightness in the labor market, reduce pressure on wages if they reduce uh, the number of job openings there. Uh, consensus looks for them to fall to 9.6 million from uh, 10.1 million. Um, but even uh, if job openings fell by that amount, um, just given uh, the number of unemployed in the US is 5.7 million, uh, you'd still have job openings well in excess of the number of people un- unemployed. So it still would be a very tight labor market. Um, also out is the uh, ISM manufacturing index, and that's expected to be on the edge of contraction at 50.0. And just uh, quickly, um, also data that we got out yesterday uh, was the Dallas Fed manufacturing index and the Chicago uh, PMI. Um, both of those uh, slipped into negative territory so that suggests maybe a bit of downside risk to the US ISM but the details were really interesting in those so the, the new orders indexes both were in contractory territory but interestingly employment um, was, was still very strong so at least in the manufacturing sector firms are still holding on to, to workers even though they've seen a slippage in new orders and that may be because backlog orders are just so strong um, and the second one is although you've seen a little bit of moderation in prices paid those prices paid indexes in the Dallas Fed and Chicago PMI is still very very elevated so um, not too much relief in terms of the inflation front and then at least for the Fed yes you may be seeing um, moderating activity but no real indicators yet um that inflation is set to ease in a meaningful way Doville legend is the favorite this afternoon are you gonna have a flutter i are think i will it's supposed to pour rain in melbourne today so i think that so it's an favor, english horse yes so it does favor do, an so overseas horse particularly from from, from, <laughs> from england and i think it's the outright although favorite. you know there's been more rain going on in australia so maybe actually yeah, it'll be an accustomed to it who knows but anyway whoever it is they take home seven and three quarters of a million dollars the uh, the winner not the horse obviously the the owner uh but the, the horse just gets some nice food at the end of the day i should imagine so anyway we'll see so you're gonna how much money are you gonna put no you don't need to tell me don't, don't give me too much detail uh, enjoy it anyway enjoy your newfound wealth however much you win uh we'll catch you again soon thanks tapas cheers uh, thanks Will. he'll have them all in a, a spreadsheet somewhere i'm sure so why the rba insists on holding the meeting on this tuesday on, on melbourne cup day why just for this one month of the year they couldn't move it to a wednesday i don't know anyway that's it good luck this afternoon i'm phil dobby for nab i'll see you then